I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you today, uh, and happy Easter. Uh, if anyone hadn't told you, I'm glad to be the first one to tell you. Quick programming note, uh, since tomorrow is Good Friday, uh, I will not be here. So have a great Easter weekend, and uh, come back. We'll be here on Monday. But uh, today, well, we got to talk Easter, right? And so I'm privileged to have uh, a guest today who has a book out um, helping Younger children understand uh, Easter. It is called Darkest Night, Brightest Day. And I, I can show you the cover of the book there, but it really doesn't do it justice. So I'm going to. So it's, it's clever in the way it's designed. It's Darkest Night, Brightest Day. It works both ways, which is a, a nice little device. I, I, I thought it was cool when I got the book. So Marty Machowski is the uh, author of the book. Uh, he's coming to us from Westchester. Pennsylvania, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to get his take and talk all things Easter, so appreciate you guys being here. If you haven't hit like, share, follow, subscribe, whatever your, your buttons you hit wherever you're watching, do it now, uh, and again, I will see you on Monday, not tomorrow, Good Friday. Marty, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thanks, Randy. Glad to be with you today. All right, so we know I mean, most people in my audience at least know the Easter story. I'm curious uh, how you're relating this in your family devotional type book. Well, you know, uh, when I think about Christmas, you think of Advent, and everybody wants to do Advent devotionals. But when it comes to Easter, uh, if you're like me and in, in my family, man, before you know it, bam, Easter's here, and then you do Easter Sunday, and it's gone, and it's done with, and it's over. And uh, I wanted to provide something that would slow down the week before and the week after Easter and give families, particularly families with children who want to reach their kids with the gospel message, a chance to slow down and, and study that message, the, the days leading up to the crucifixion and then the days after the resurrection. And so I put uh, darkest night, brightest day together to help families do just that. You know, I, I, I think you're right. I, mean, I think we're all guilty of it, especially if you've been in the church a long time. Um, you know, e Easter's just a service where, at least the way I grew up, you had to dress a little nicer on that Sunday, you know. Um, but I, it is really, I think, healthy, whether you're a new Christian, especially if you're a new Christian, but if, if you've been a Christian a long time, just to take a little time and, and pause, because, I mean, Paul said, with, without the resurrection, our, our faith is completely in vain. I mean, this is this is a big deal, is it not? It is. It is. We're the most to be pitied, he said, mm. if if there is no resurrection. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, I think that most people really enjoy Easter. They enjoy Easter Sunday. Some act, some churches will have a good Friday service. Some will have a Monday, Thursday service. And so there is, you know, a number of days of celebration. But if you were to poll the families that are actually opening up the Bible uh, for the Easter season, I think you'd find that it's not as many by far that are opening the Bible at Christmas time. And so I think it's a, it's a holiday that we want to reclaim. It, it is arguably the greatest holiday 
of the Christian faith. There's certainly don't want to take anything away from Jesus's birth at Christmas, but the resurrection is the climax of the story. So everything in the Old Testament is pointing forward to the coming of a promised one, a coming king in the line of David, uh, a prophet like Moses. And then, of course, Jesus comes. He lives his perfect life. He's unjustly accused. He's tried. He's found guilty. He's taken to the cross. And then, you know, while the cross is critical to our faith, the question is, what happens next? Did he just die? And then the third day comes, mm -hmm. and he's risen. And, you know, the disciples who uh, were hoping for the consummation of Israel, we're told, um, they don't get it. They just don't get They're not waiting for the third day to come. Even though Jesus said the Son of Man will suffer and will rise, mm -hmm. they're, not, they're not in tune with that. In fact, he's on the road with two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And, uh, you know, they are basically complaining. We had thought he would be the one. You know, we were hoping for the consummation of Israel. And Jesus says, oh, you who are so foolish, so slow to believe what the prophets had said. And then Jesus opens up the Old Testament to them that they might see and then when he breaks bread, it says their eyes are opened and they realize. And then, woo, they go to tell the others. The, the, the women tell the disciples. And it starts to spread. But, but they weren't even ready for it. So studying that story, seeing some of those twists and turns is, is really quite fascinating. Yes, it's, it's a good thing that not all women should be silent. Just the ones Paul was talking to, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, so here's, here's um, I think, a little bit of the dynamic that goes on when you talk about Easter, especially, I mean, you got a, a children's book. Christmas, we, we get it. It's the celebration of a birth, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, we got animals, we got wise men. It's, it's all feel-good hope because it, because it is. But when you retell the story, that's that's what's conveyed. Easter's harder because mm -hmm. in with Easter, you're talking about the unjustness of it, but you're talking about the brutality. Remember, Mel Gibson's movie was rated R because it was so bloody because the crucifixion is a very unpleasant thing, and you're talking about death. I, I, how do... How do you talk to one about... How do you talk to children about that? Because I, I get the hesitation with a lot of parents. They're like, you know... I. I I don't know that I want to terrify my six-year-old with these images, uh, but that's the reality. How do you balance some of that? Well, I think the story balances itself. Uh, there's something about the resurrection that puts into perspective the crucifixion. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why I chose to add seven days of devotions after the cross mm. and not just lead up to uh, the cross and have one day Easter. Um, so uh, if something tragic happens, but then there's a wonderful resolution, mm -hmm. uh, we tend to not focus on the tragedy, but we tend to focus on the celebration. So, you know, if someone is diagnosed with cancer, um, but a, a tumor is able to be removed, after the tumor is removed, 
do you sorrow over the cancer? No, you don't anymore. Mm-hmm. It's you rejoice over the removal. You rejoice over the healing. You rejoice over that restoration. And what was once a tragic story has become a testimony of wonder. And and so that's how I think you have to present this. You you don't want to shy away from the suffering, the unjust punishment, but you do want to make sure that you make big time the resurrection. Yeah. So I think that's how it works. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Uh, that. That's that's a great answer. <laughs> um, here, so you, you're talking about uh, sort of some of the things that happened afterwards uh, and also the you know, people not getting that the whole resurrection at the time. And I think, you know, uh, a big part of that, if not the biggest part of that, is that a lot of the people misinterpreted the Old Testament prophecies. They were looking for that literal kingdom, right? Uh, they expected the Romans to be overthrown and, you know, they would, they would rule in, in Israel with, I don't know, maybe Jesus on the throne in Jerusalem or something. Um, Jesus also said, my kingdom is not of this world, right? Um, that same thing, I think, happens a little bit today. We we think if we will just, you know, elect the right person, which I'm all in favor of, then Christianity will be restored, you know, or if... if if we just get the right theology, then Christianity would be restored. But this is a kingdom mentality that Jesus came back after the resurrection and taught his disciples about that is designed to be in the now and to totally change the world. What do you see in in understanding the proper realm of the kingdom that Christ set up and rules over to this day? and how it can change the world in the proper uh, perspective. Well, you know, we want to make the present day the new creation. We, we uh, well, if you look at Romans, so what's the foundational problem of the world that um, they trade the sinners of the world, the idolaters of the world, trade uh, the creator, for worshiping the creation. And, you know, quite frankly, if if the Lord didn't allow trials in our lives which perfect our faith, I think many of us would end up worshiping the good things of this life, especially those of us who live in this prosperous country mm-hmm. with, with, you know, so little hardship as it goes in comparison to what some people suffer in the world. People don't worry about what they're going to eat the next day. And so, we can get caught up with the treasures of this world. And, you know, Jesus's message is don't store up treasures here. Don't look for your treasure here. Look for your treasure in the world to come. The New Testament tells us that we're strangers, aliens in this land, and we're people of another land. And and yet it is uh, Jesus as creator who's going to return again to make the whole world new. The world as we know it will be burned up by fire. There'll be no more need for sun nor moon because uh, Christ will be the the light of the world and and he will come to make his dwelling place with man on earth. So there, we will be here. We will one day enjoy this creation, but it'll be a new recreated earth that is free of sin. Think about it. What would it be like to live in a world where there is no death, there's no bad politics. 
There's no cheating, lying, stealing. There's no rivalry. It's only love. Temptation is gone. We live in the joy of the presence of God. And uh, I mean, that's wonderful. The problem is we lose sight of that and we begin to worship the created thing around us. And keeping in mind that Jesus Christ died on the cross for that sinful perspective and now causes us to be set free and transformed and calls us to live in his marvelous light, to take on his burden, which is light, and live for him forever in the kingdom now and forevermore as we go to be with him in heaven. That's the key. Yep, and I think it's the key that we take hold of that eternal life to which we were called now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Take hold of it. Yeah, take hold of it now. All right, we're talking to Marty Machowski. This is his book right here, Darkest Night, Brightest Day. We're kind of rolling here into Easter and having a good time. And I got to I gotta ask you about just the sort of the technical side of things, Marty, because when you go f- from here to here, like I, I get the contrast, right? What's what's the purpose, though, behind that? That's not just a clever device. There, you got a purpose there. Yeah, yeah you know, so uh, when... Paul and Silas went into Thessalonica, and they were preaching the gospel there. They were teaching the people that Jesus had to suffer. The Messiah had to suffer. And that was a foreign concept because, like you said earlier, they were looking for a political Messiah that would overthrow Rome. And so here is this spiritual Messiah who's going to die, as Isaiah said, for our sins. And some of the people believed but many did not, Mm -hmm. and they were unhappy. They actually started a riot, and they said this, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. (laughs) And that's really what the gospel does. It turns our lives upside down. Instead of loving darkness, we love light. Instead of running away from God, we're running toward God. Instead of hating the people of God, we love the people of God. We're transformed by this gospel message. And so I wanted to put a book together that actually demonstrated that. So you go through the darkest night, you finish up the Saturday night before Easter morning, and you take your book. I've got one right here, Darkest Night. You take it, you set it out, Darkest Night side, then your kids go to bed, put down a white sheet, and put the book up only this time on the brightest day side. Yeah and put some treats down for your uh, family like you might enjoy. And then the kids wake up and they have an Easter morning celebration. The darkest night has turned into the brightest day. So that's how I envision it being used. And then Easter morning, you start with the first story and read your kids the story of the resurrection. Yeah, I, I, I really like that. And if for some of you are like, darn i missed it it's too late <laughs> maybe you can get the book delivered tomorrow i don't know i don't know you know depending on where you're at but um you could definitely pick it up and, and use it next year so and depending on how old your kids are one thing about i want to ask about that because you say uh it's a family devotional how important is it that christians i mean i know the answer to this question but i want to hear from you because especially in this day of disney and the garbage going on the, the schools coming after our kids how important is it that we sit down as a family and and make sure our kids understand these things yeah i think it's really important uh god spoke through moses to the people 
And he told the parents that the law of the Lord should first be upon their hearts. And then they should teach it to their children. You know, when you rise, when you sit, when you walk along the way, um, put it as frontlets between your eyes, post it on your door. Hmm. And there's a sense in which, A, we first need to have the gospel message implanted in our heart have a pattern of seeking after God ourselves. Mm -hmm. But then how important is it to pass that on to our kids? You know, it's interesting. Our kids do what we do. Uh, They'll say what we say, good or bad. You've probably been there before, you know. Uh, (laughs) You say, oh, grasshopper, because that's the way that you want to express your displeasure when something happens, you strike your finger. You remember the old days where you might have cursed, but you say, oh, grasshopper. Yeah. Well, what do you think that five-year-old is going to say when he smacks his finger? Yep. Oh, grasshopper. Right. Not because he really thought about it much, but because he wants to be like dad. Mm. He wants to be like mom. She wants to be like dad or mom. And so what we do before our kids in their most impressionable years matters. They will follow in our footsteps. And that's, I think, what the Bible is saying when Solomon says, teach a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's this passing on of who we are to our kids, whether it's a phrase or the story, the life transforming story of the gospel. So we definitely want to pass that on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that whole bit about them not departing from it when they when they're old, it's that in-between time that worries me sometimes, you know. Well, that can be a troubling season. I know we had a, a season in uh, one of our kids' lives. We we began with twins, a boy and a girl. And our, our daughter was like the picture of perfect Christian uh, child growing up and following in all the ways. And our son was just the opposite. Um, you know what? I'm not going to believe what you tell me, Dad. I'm going to have to screw up myself and find out for myself. Right. Just, you know, and, you know, getting that proverbial call from the police station, can you come pick up your son? And you realize, oh, my, I I didn't sign up for this. And God says, well, actually, I'm not just um, maturing a child through your parenting. I'm I'm maturing a parent through their uh, adolescence. Mm. And I realized that I was uh, one of the people that God was working on in those years. Mm. It can be difficult to trust God in those middle years, but we set a foundation when they're young. Mm -hmm. We love them through their troubles. We set our example before them. And then the hardest part, we trust God to change hearts. Ah, the hardest part. No doubt about that. Uh, Yeah, somebody, yeah. You heard it. God loves our children even more than we do, right? You know, um, which is both sometimes hard to believe because you think uh, nobody loves my children more than myself. And other times uh, you're thankful. You're like, thank God, because I want to, I want to smack this kid right now. Right. But um, how's your son these days? Can I ask? Is that too personal? No, no, he's doing well by God's grace. Um, Through one of his very difficult trials, he lost most everything that meant anything to him. Hmm. And it was in that, in that humbling place that God reached down and touched his life. Uh, he's living, he's married now, he's got a daughter, um, and uh, they're doing well, um, and uh, he's a believer in Jesus and is training 
his daughter uh, in the things of the Lord. Oh, I love it. I love it. And his daughter ha- has a grandpa who has a great book for her <laughs> right now. So that's, and that's, that's really one of my motivations for continuing to write. I don't have any children uh, in, uh, in my home anymore growing up, but now I've got, a, I've got five, actually, uh, grandchildren, all under the age of or three or under, wow. and they're, they're like in the perfect sweet spot for a lot of the books that I write. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love the personal connection. Let me ask you one more thing that is sort of a, a personal connection, because I'm guessing by the color of your beard um, that you are, you know, in, in my age range, when we when we fill out those forms online and they have your birthday, when you get to the year part, you got to scroll, 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 scroll. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, down through the 80s, the <laughs> right, 70s, right, into right. the 60s we go. Yeah, you're like, I remember that, those times, a good year, a good year there. Okay, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> good decade. Hey, good decade. <laughs> right, I know. I know. So, um, but here, here's the question because we're talking about Easter and resurrection. I mean, I'm losing friends, you know. Um, my parents, thank God, are still doing well, uh, but they're, they're losing lots of friends. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, this idea of resurrection, when you get, you know, up, up in the, uh, the discount age at, at your local uh, restaurant, Th- this becomes a very serious topic. Um, is this it, something it is you, you, you wrestle with, you know, you, you contemplate at least? Well, teach us to number our days aright hmm. that we might gain a heart of wisdom. There's a lot of truth in that. You know, it's really tough to number your days when you got a billion of them in front of you. You're <laughs> 16 years old right. and you don't have a care about... Do, do you have you saved enough for retirement to retire? Mm-hmm. You know, but that's a concern for people. Did I save enough? Is my health strong enough? What if I pass soon? Uh, and so the resurrection is our hope. I mean, that is our hope that we will die. But as Jesus said to Martha, um, that if you believe, you will never die. And it's not that we won't pass if the Lord uh, doesn't return. We are going to go down into the dust from where we came. But it's like closing your eyes at night to sleep and waking in the morning to a new day. So do we close our eyes in death. But because of the resurrection, have this hope that we too will rise to newness of life. And so Jesus says to the thief on the cross who's about to die, he doesn't say, well, one day I'll come back for you in the grave. He says, this day you will be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. We will one day need to wait, you know, if the Lord tarries for our resurrection bodies, but our spirits go to be with the Lord in heaven with him immediately upon our death. And that, why? Is it possible? Only because Jesus died on the cross yeah. and rose again. Yep, yep, and that is the beautiful message for all, all every day, but especially this weekend as we commemorate Easter. Uh, Marty, I, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, beautiful illustrations, by the way, in the book. Uh, it looks good. It that uh, it's it's it's, an, it's a nice thing to um, help us. Uh, as we as we celebrate Easter, especially for the younger audience, 
Uh, I want to give you the last word. Uh, is there anything that you want to mention before I let you go, uh, whether it's anything else you got going on or just uh, your thoughts about this this Easter weekend? Are you, you got big plans? Well, I'm, I'll be with family. Okay. I think that a lot of folks like to share the time with family. And uh, if if you didn't get a chance to use Darkest Night, Brightest Day this year, mm-hmm. then I would encourage you to invest, pick it up, set it aside, on your shelf so that next year when Easter comes again, you can pull it out on Palm Sunday, go through the Passion Week, and then on to the Easter celebration with your family. Yep. Great suggestion and a great tool to do it with. Again, I appreciate you. Appreciate your time, and I appreciate all you guys out there hanging out watching. Have a great Easter. Uh, and pick up Marty's book if you don't already have it, and you can have an even better one next year. But uh, you guys enjoy the weekend. Again, I won't be here tomorrow on Good Friday. You guys have a great time. We'll see you again next week. And truth will be on the soul of your Sunday is coming.